Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, look at him, he's Mexican Superman, it's Arturo Zurita! For anyone who hasn't seen the movie, that's going to sound extremely funny, but I'm going to take it as a compliment from the heart, Zach, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm excited to be here alongside our, our boy, is he there? I can't even see him. I can't see him on my screen. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Fernando. Say hi to everybody. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Man, you always Mexico. come in with so much enthusiasm. I appreciate that. But if Fernando's not going to give us that enthusiasm, Zach, you, we have a little announcement to actually make. Yes. Uh, well, in a little bit, we're going to be talking about Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. and James Wan, a potential reunion of Simon Pegg with Nick Frost. Uh, but first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers, including including Spotify. We heard the requests. We saw your comments. We worked on it. We called up Mr. Spotify himself. And we are on Spotify. Search up Intercut Pod. You can catch every episode of Intercut streaming on Spotify now. So make sure you're following us there. Also follow us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at IntercutPod. That's at IntercutPod. That's short for podcast. podcast. Art, let's start the show. We start the way the way we started every week. What you watching? Euphoria. Buddy? Euphoria is a must-watch. Um, I will not say I will not be taking any further questions at this time. Your Honor, Your Honor's Shevik. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That's what I I've can't been read watching? your board. You gotta turn. You gotta turn your laptop. I can't read your. Oh, board. Oh, you can't read my board. Sorry about that. Sorry mm. about that. There you go. You see that right there? I know there it's backwards for you. You see it? Yeah. There you yeah. go. Uh, I mean, I said it. Euphoria is a must-watch. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> say. I'm gonna leave it at that. Mine's short and simple this week. Okay. Uh, easy enough. I'm sure we'll get into more details on Euphoria. Yeah, we, at yeah. Some point. We, we're gonna. Maybe we'll probably have a whole let us explain. explain once you watch it, you'll know. I don't want to say anything more. I feel like people already, like, if they know they need to watch Euphoria, they know they need to watch Euphoria. Uh, I think we talked about it a little in a previous podcast, too, so. Yes, we did. Uh, the next thing I want to say is just full spoilers on this. I, I got to I gotta, I gotta be careful. All right, Fernando. Uh, last week on the show, I promised I would watch The Art of Self-Defense. Mm-hmm. I-, I didn't watch didn't. The Art of Self-Defense, mm. uh, but I-, I heard you did. I did, yeah. Uh, thankfully. Regal finally caught up to AMC, hey. gave, gave me their subscription service. They said and, on your left. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I was able to check out Artists of Defense yesterday, um, Hobbs and Shaw, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, Artists of Defense was definitely the highlight for me because I didn't expect it to like it as much. I know, Art, you saw it at South By, I think? Yeah, hilarious. And I thought it was super funny. Jesse Eisenberg's like so strange. Like I feel like all his characters are kind of just like an extension of his actual personality. Um, But he was hilarious in this. Um, The director, I think this is like his first feature, maybe like his second. But definitely, yeah. He he had a previous one called Faults with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh okay okay. Um, But I definitely think this is gonna be like his stand up his breakout you know um What's, was what great. are some of your favorite scenes <sighs> man because it's such a dry humor it's really yeah. weird to set yeah it are there any other movies that you would compare it to just in how dry the humor is i want to say 
not entirely similar to a lot of Taika's humor, but like kind of like Hunt for the Wilder People. I mean, I love dry humor. Like, it, yeah, I, I love it. Um, my favorite scene. I loved everything with the dog. There's a dog in the movie, and all the scenes mm. with the dog <laughs> were so good. Um, hey, I got something for you, actually. If that's the case, yeah. oh man, I don't even know where they left it for me. They actually sent me something. Oh, I saw. Uh, yeah, yeah. To answer yeah, I saw that. you comments on it on a uh, Twitter, yeah. right? Yeah. They sent you a coaster. I don't even know where I left it, but to answer Zach's question, pretty much there was a. Uh, I'll find it towards the end of it, or maybe we'll insert a picture. I guess I lost it. <laughs> I'm not deserving of it. What does he say in the movie? He literally says, "This is your belt. It is irreplaceable." Yeah. That'll be thirty dollars to replace it. <laughs> um, when I tweeted about the movie, I compared it a lot to the Dead Don't Die in terms of its dryness mm-hmm. and its humor. Um, and the official page for the art of self-defense responded with no, we're better join the karate classes now, which just like, you know, you know, it's so good. Like, you know all, like once he gets his belt, it's like, you see like yeah. the, the happiness in him. <laughs> it's crazy. It's funny. Now some people have seen yeah. it and they're actually not fans of it. Someone had tweeted out to me, Damn, I guess uh, one of the questions that I had re- received was about how like people weren't liking it. I had a couple mm-hmm. of messages about that. I was like, I mean, I, I guess it's a dry humor. You're always going to have that. But yeah, they had sent me this patch. I don't even know how they had my address. Just, I, I, I really don't. Uh, but they sent me this patch and it, it was a little little wiener dog mm-hmm. type thing that you get. But I'm glad you liked it as well. It I've been waiting for Zach. Zach gives me, oh man, if you only knew. gives me so much for not watching his recommendations. Mm-hmm. And this, it was at Tribeca, huh? I actually don't think it was at Tribeca. Wasn't I would have thought if it was at Tribeca. Don't matter. He lives in New York. He gets all the movies he a gets year everything. early. I've been it's there in New play- York. Oh. I saw Mulan already. Like, this man had it right there and he didn't see it. That said, though, I will give him this. Do you hear about IPIC theaters? I don't know if that was something we had in the discussion, but I'll mention it briefly here because I know he lives next to one. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. You may have, if you're a, if you're a frequent listener to the podcast, you may have heard that I don't have the AMC A-list and I don't have Regal Unlimited. Uh, those aren't the theaters that are close to me. Unfortunately, I'm close to an IPIC, which uh, I think David Ehrlich poignantly once described as the luxury movie theater for people who don't like movies perfectly put uh they charge you so much money i think my last ticket was fifteen hundred dollars so it's interesting to hear that they're filing for bankruptcy considering they charge that much that didn't include the blanket zach oh my god so uh r.i.p i pick please (laughs) replace the i pick near me with something cheaper yeah uh as for what i've been watching guys since the last time we podcast podcasted we got a new quentin tarantino movie. Mm, we did yes mm-hmm. uh once upon a time in hollywood so this is uh, much like many other quentin tarantino's movies it's a rambly uh dialogue filled period piece although this one is centered around something that he loves very much classic movies 70s hollywood mm-hmm. uh it, it, or late 60s into the 70s hollywood yeah. Uh, you've got the matching of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, two of our generation's biggest movie stars. What did you guys think of of the movie? Are we having the conversation here? Because you're all right. This is we can do. We can do. We can take this to a let us explain. But I think we should at least give a taste for the intercut. I got you, Uh, Uh, Fernando. I'll start off with you. Go for me first. Okay. Yeah. Um, I overall what? Because I hate Tarantino. Is that what you're gonna say? Because you despise (laughs) cinema in general. Uh, I do, I do. Um, overall, I liked it very much. Not my favorite Tarantino. Obviously, Inglorious 
is his masterpiece, as we all know. Um, True. Did feel the runtime a little bit. You know, most of his movies tend to be on the longer side. This one's like, yeah. Zach, did you feel it too? I felt I felt it too, but I don't know how much of that is also. I saw it at a uh, late night screening. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I saw I was it at, out of the movie at like two a.m. It's one of those things, right? Yeah. I can't say that as well because I saw it at the Music Box, lovely theater, mm-hmm. about to turn ninety years old. So are their seats. <laughs> keep it there. Yeah, um, I think the highlights for me were Brad Pitt. I think everyone is mostly saying that that Cliff Booth is like yeah. a great character. Yep. I love Leo's too, um, and I think everything with them was way more interesting to me than the Sharon Tate stuff, even though I've, mm. after I've been thinking about it and seeing other people talk about it, I might revisit it and might see certain things a little bit differently with the Sharon Tate things. Um, and yeah, all the Manson stuff, people were like, they're gonna like do show like the murders and like, you know, it wasn't really that. So right. I kind of appreciated that. I've found that whenever I walk out of Quentin Tarantino movie, and I, maybe I'll preface this with, the fact that I'm not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. Really? Uh, yeah. Not a, not a huge one. I'm not a hater. Um, whenever I walk out of a Quentin Tarantino movie, I tend to think it's okay. And I thought about that. I thought that about Inglorious Bastards, which has become my favorite of the Quentin Tarantino movies. I thought that about Pulp Fiction, too. For whatever reason, uh, maybe it's because he kind of doesn't follow a formula. He's kind of so much of an individual in his style of filmmaking that it, I think it takes a little time to to wash over me and for me to process it. That makes sense. So my initial reaction to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was that it's okay, uh, which, like I said, is my reaction to every Tarantino movie. But there are a lot of interesting things that I have been uh, chewing over. I really did love the performances from Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. I would not be surprised if right. both of them stayed in the running as we get closer to Oscar season. Who's what? Uh so this is one of those stupid things we where they're going to do some category year. fraud. Yeah. It, it, if we were honest, they would both be best actor. Yeah. But because Brad Pitt literally like supports Leo in the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. I okay. bet you they're going to put him in supporting. 100%. Okay, so Zach and Scooby are supposed to be like the low of the bunch. <laughs> Why do we watch who's the show named after? <laughs> yeah, but so with, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, I found it was a really interesting vibe and – you know, he is a signature writer of dialogue, and that snappy dialogue is there and is really riveting in scenes, but I kept waiting for the movie to get going, and even for a Quentin Tarantino movie, this movie felt particularly plotless. It doesn't mean it's not enjoyable, Mm -hmm. but it did feel a a little bit, like, stuck in neutral, maybe I'd say, Mm -hmm. compared to some of his other works. Like, there's always a motive for each person. In in Django, it was you knew that he wanted to get Broomhilda, and in Glorious, it's obviously to take down the Nazis. Here, it's like, will his career revive? Will it? Will it not? Maybe. We'll see. Does it matter? Will he fix the TV antenna? Won't he? Yeah, will the dog get fed in time? I'm not exactly sure. Do you think that it's just because of the boom of the internet that we're having more of a discussion when it comes to a Tarantino release? Or could it just be, uh, is it the movie itself or is it just because we all have more access that we're having so many more discussions? Because I don't remember this being the case for The Hateful Eight. Yeah, I was we just had that. a little bit of, uh, of um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee getting beat up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll say two things about that because I think, one, uh, this is a just in, it, extremely more accessible movie Mm -hmm. uh, than The Hateful Eight. There is a Tarantino-esque splurge of violence, but it's not until late in film. And and otherwise, it's mostly like a hangout movie. It's 
the about a subject that a lot of people are interested in. Tarantino, some have said. Right. Uh, and the other thing is it's got Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in a movie mm-hmm. together. That fe- like In an era where we don't have a lot of movie stars left, that still feels like something. Yeah. What I'm saying is um, when he put out Django, his big thing yeah. was he wanted to start a conversation. I don't think it started anything. Plus, 12 Years of Slave had come out. I don't really understand what that whole interview was about, if you guys know what interview I'm talking about, yeah. where he cut the reporter off. Um, with this one, though, even in the... And I don't just mean the ending. And I don't just mean Sharon Tate's lines. And I don't just mean, like, oh, is this a metaphor for how the character is falling in the shift of the, of the you know, 60s to the 70s, just like Tarantino says, if there's no more celluloid, there's no more me. Uh, now with the age of streaming coming in, I think there's so many discussions that are being had about the movie, and it's not to say that they none of his other movies had it, but it's like even the Bruce Lee stuff. Even we'll the talks, that. yeah, the talks that come in when you see some of the characters who were cut out of the movie, how it comes back to Streeling. Did did you know he's got the Hateful Eight on Netflix? Not just the movie. I'm, he's got the Hateful Eight miniseries. Mm-hmm. In other words, a platform that allowed him to truly tell his vision that couldn't be told in theaters, and they're in talks to do the same thing for Once Upon a Time. I don't know if it's ironic. I don't know if it's like the resolve is just like, good. We came into the best terms possible. What do you think? I actually just watched the Hateful Eight miniseries. The four-part? Uh, the four-part miniseries. I personally couldn't tell where the uh, changes were other than like obviously there are breaks in it. Uh, I, I read that there's about 20 minutes of new material, but it all kind of felt like I had seen it before. I don't, uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, but it... it it did kind of lend itself to that miniseries format, which makes me really interested in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it's so much more of like a loosely structured and thing. And it's episodic. And He's know, dealing with the show, yeah. We know there is a lot that is on the cutting room floor. Uh, I, I stayed through the credits to see that in the special thanks, he's got a, a James James Marsden. Was it a Tim Roth, I think? both Bro, were James Marsden was going to play young Burt Reynolds. That's right. What? Yeah. Where is he? Yeah, so I, I... And I find it hard to believe that some of these great actors showed up for, like, so little. That Scoot McNary was there just to, yeah. to get shot, you know? Like, I feel like there must you, be more on the cutting room floor, so I'd be really interested in seeing an expanded answer. version of this uh, on Netflix or wherever. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever have that thing when Scoot McNary comes out in a movie, you go, is that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that Scoot McNary? Also, I'm an idiot. I left it here specifically. It was on my board the whole time. <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen, the art of self-defense. I left it on here because specifically I said, you know what I'm going to need it for? The podcast. The podcast, sorry. The pod. That's short for podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I think overall we liked it, right? Would you put a top half Tarantino or lower half Tarantino? For me, I feel like it's in the middle, but I have yet to give it that second rewatch. Yeah, it's again like... Like I said, I really want to marinate with it a little bit more and what a Tarantino movie develop does. my opinion on it. I'd say it's probably lower half Tarantino. It's interesting in that he's made. It's not because the movie's so bad or anything. It's because he's made so many iconic movies. You know, what's your top three? Uh, uh, for me, it's Inglorious Reservoir and Pulp, but uh, Jackie Brown is is close to that too. So I go Django Reservoir, and I think him personally, Inglorious. Like he said it at the ending, is his best. Yeah. What are your closing thoughts, Fernando, uh, in your top three? Inglorious, Pulp, and then... Death Proof. That's crazy, bro. That's Death Proof? No, 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 no. I think it's Kill... Kill... Kill Bill is one movie. 
Kill Bill's one movie, so you can include it there. You you even get the third one with it, so I would, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good option. That's three uh, movies. Kill Volume One, or or Django, but probably Django, um, oh. and then probably Middle of the Pack. Makes sense. All right, well, let us know what you've been watching in the comments or on uh, by shooting us an email. The address for that is intercutpod at gmail.com. We're going to move on to the yay or nay where we break down the latest happenings in entertainment, starting with Quentin Tarantino. Hey, what do you know? Uh, Once Upon a Time features several fictional revela- uh, fictional depictions of real-life people. However, it's the depiction of Bruce Lee that Good. has become somewhat controversial in a notable scene, Bruce Lee boasts about his fighting ability in front of Brad Pitt's character before challenging Pitt to a fight. Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, told the LA Times she found the depiction to be disheartening and unnecessary, mm-hmm. while others have labeled it as disrespectful. But art, yay or nay, once upon a time in Hollywood disrespects Bruce Lee's legacy. Do you remember when the trailer came out and people tweeted about this and they were very angry saying, how could a random stuntman beat up? Bruce Lee as they saw in the trailer and people said no they're training for a sketch all these different like that they're they're both stuntmen and yeah. there's always this dumb Twitter like rage that goes on about these things and I'm always like they're 100% correct in my opinion so for me to say that I'm with the Twitter outrage here when when I saw the scene no lie I looked over to Lena and I said I guess the ending to this movie a while ago I think I told you guys my theory of what it was going to be and I ended up being yeah. pretty close um I told Alina, I said, if he beats up Bruce Lee right now, because I don't think you understand, like, I have buddies who are so obsessed with Bruce Lee, like, I know the legend that he is. So when I saw him get chucked and dent a car, I understand. Does it it mean anything to you that they technically tied? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Dom and Vin. Uh, Dom and uh, The Rock also tied in the fast. Yeah, no. I don't believe in that. What's, uh, no. One dented a car. The other one didn't. One straight up disrespected the other person. And it goes beyond that, too. That whole line about, like, oh, I would have beat Cash's Clay to a pulp. That's not what he said. Like, the only thing he's on record doing, whether they fought on their own, like, Creed, Rocky style, that's their thing. But on record, he came out of saying is, no, he would pummel me in the street. He was, he was a nice guy. There are some people who have objected to the depiction of Bruce Lee as uh, potentially being able to lose in a fight to this Cliff character played by Brad Pitt. And there are a lot of others who have objected more to the depiction of Bruce Lee as someone who's arrogant, who's boastful. That was the real problem that got me. Because I get it. It, It's You can see it as disrespectful without the, the, the arrogance. Him beating him up. Or you can see it as, of course, at the end, when the scene happens, of course this guy's going to take him. Did you not see who he beat up in the first third of the movie? I understood right. that right away and I hated it. I, that's when I knew he was going to beat him up mm-hmm. because I connected the dots. That said, though, the arrogancy. Someone had said, and I'm pretty sure you're going to bring this up as well. I'm sure you heard about um, the idea that Polanski, uh, ugh, Polanski had, had actually said that. Paul Tarantino? His <laughs> probably <laughs> on the Howard Stern show of all places too. No, he actually had um, suspected. There's a actually really good. Uh, I saw this tweet from Justin Chang, if I'm not mistaken, from the uh, LA Times. Mm-hmm. He had tweeted out this piece. Obviously, he was very vocal on his perspective, being an Asian American critic who talked about like disrespecting Bruce Lee there, but also shared a critique of him, which is why I really like looking up his stuff. Uh, not a critique of him, but another critique that was counter of it, kind of saying that 
that was Tarantino paying homage or, or, or paying a tribute to him having a soft... I, I really didn't see it. You know, I don't agree with it. But it was the idea Ooh. that uh, Polanski accused him, saying only one person is strong enough to have taken out all these people at once. Literally, it's in the news. He said, Polanski said, that's their main suspect. I kid you not. Look it up. I was like, what? I still don't think that's reason to beat up Bruce Lee in your yeah. movie when your their three movies uh, took inspiration and literally, literally ripped off his yellow jumpsuit. So it's a big name for me, Zach. It's a big name for me. So I'm gonna go. It it's not disrespectful, uh, and I'm I'm gonna say partially because of that yellow jumpsuit in. Kill Bill, like there's clearly a reverence that Quentin Tarantino has for Bruce Lee. But, you know, Tarantino is a guy who has, in his depiction of real people, shot gu- or, or machine gunned Adolf Hitler in the face. Like, he, he, he doesn't really go by the historical record. And in fact, many times he goes completely against the historical record. That's not what I'm expecting from a Quentin Tarantino movie. If, if the movie is pretending to be some kind of version of the truth, that's one thing. But I don't think anybody walks into a Quentin Tarantino movie and, and feels like what they're getting is what it was actually like. I wanted to agree with you, except for the fact of how closely based uh, Rick Dalton's character is to Burt Reynolds. Because it's literally based off of his stuntman. And he kept that so close to T. He is such a nerd. You do know Quentin Tarantino made an IMDb page for Rick Dalton? No, he wrote scripts for all of his TV show pilots. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Have you heard his Variety interview where he talked about how he wasn't able to work with a director? Rick Dalton's not a real character, and he's talking about his TMZ news that happened to him in 1964. He has a whole history to him. Even showed Sharon Tate. Even showed uh, last-minute casting, uh, what's his name, who plays Steve McQueen, right? Mm-hmm. Why are all those able to be true depictions and not Bruce Lee? Well, I, I don't think the Sharon Tate's a, a true depiction either. If you, and I, I feel like there are all sorts of things that are fictionalized in their way. You know, I, I don't, I just don't view it to be Manson reflective of history bro, in the movie. Manson came out nicer, in the, which also, well, yeah, and that's another reason why I feel like it, it shows the shows the way that Tarantino kind of inverts a lot of history that. He doesn't go to show you uh, how evil Manson is, and just heard, he kind—it's Bruce, and I've been waiting for that, like a good tribute to Bruce in a while. Totally, totally. and that, that, that's that another one story of the and... most iconic guys who who lived on his legacy with the Kill Bill stuff, and had so many people look back and be like, "Where is that suit from?" I don't know. This is like your one chance, and you got a dude who looked yeah. a lot like him. I when I walked out of the movie, I also took that entire scene to be fantasy. Now, there seems to be a debate about whether that's fantasy or flashback. If Bruce would have looked him at the end, I'd been okay. <laughs> you think it's but, a fantasy? In a fantasy? Yeah, because... So, we, we start the scene after, Bruce, uh, after uh, Cliff is on the roof. And the scene ends, and Cliff is back on the roof, as if yeah. this is something that he's thinking about. Mm-hmm. So that's why some people think this is either a flashback or a fantasy. That's how I think. I'm going to watch it again tomorrow, and I yeah. hope you are correct. But it's for the movie that Rick is currently working okay. on, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
Because you get how it doesn't make sense, right? I hope that everything I'm depicting is like, I'm confused how a person who paid so much tribute to him would have a scene like this. Have, yeah, it has yeah. to be a fantasy. Have, it, to me, it makes sense as a fantasy. Have you guys seen what the actor who plays Bruce Lee said? No. You haven't? Okay, so he did an interview, and I'm just going to read his quotes. Um, so they asked him, like, you know, after Bruce Lee's daughter had made those comments, he was like, so what do you think? Um, he said, I knew from the jump Tarantino loves Bruce Lee. He reveres him. Yeah, so, so let me so be clear. In the film, it was a challenge. Best two out of three. Um, he says, I can see how people might think Bruce got beat because of the impact with the car, uh, said Mo. But you give me five more seconds and Bruce would have won. Or Bruce would have won. Um, I, I think... I think the Jordan push? I don't know. Like, from when he says he like... He understands like what Tarantino was trying to say, it. yeah. And I guess I'll play middleman because I can see like both. Like to me, like the the depiction of him like being bested by the Cliff Booth character wasn't a problem to me because to me it's like oh Cliff Booth's like this fictional character, right? He's supposed yeah. to be like this badass, whatever. The arrogance I can get for sure. Um, plus people who are like experts in Bruce Lee, who are friends with him, his daughter obviously knew that he wasn't like that in real life. Um, and saying those things about uh, Cassius Clay and stuff. Um, I don't know, it's tough because, I mean, obviously Tarantino respects him. Um, we see him throughout the movie later, you know, yeah. teaching Sharon and stuff, which happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. Cliff I just Booth think... being a wife killer, do anything. Does that also mean that's a fantasy too? Because now uh, that you bring that up, I'm connecting that someone did bring up that that flashback of him with his wife. Mm-hmm. Does he shoot her? Some people claim he 100% shoots yeah. her. Yeah. Nagging. Some people seem... I mean, I, I don't know if we're delving into Once Upon a Time spoilers yeah. now. Is that a spoiler? Um, that, that's like but the yeah, first thing I, I think Tarantino intentionally yeah. leaves that ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Although it does feel like a Natalie Wood reference, so I don't know. We'll uh, Tarantino comes after us. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw hit theaters last weekend, but a report from the Wall Street Journal revealed surprising details about the contracts for stars Dwayne Johnson, Ooh. Jason Statham, and Ooh. Vin Diesel when it comes to their involvement in The Fast and Furious. The article states that Statham negotiated an agreement that limits how badly he can be beat up on screen. Vin Diesel restricts the number of punches he can take, and The Rock mandates that he always give as good as he gets in a fight on screen. Additionally, Vin Diesel had the idea to put a value on every move so that it's easier to monitor how much beating and getting beaten the actors have done. Art, yay or nay, it's smart to restrict the amount of punches you're allowed to take in an action movie. No. No. Absolutely not. Now we're not talking no best out of three or whatever else. We're literally talking about creating like a story where it can't be done. We had a whole conversation over this and I won't drag it all over again, but it's very clear that they've had their issues between the two. One not wanting to think, one thinking the entire cast except one, and then Vince saying, I'm glad that I helped minorities like yourself, Rock, break into this industry. Those are some ways you can't come back from. Obviously they had their franchise. It was a bromance franchise. One bro died, another bro came in, started his own spinoff. Uh, I don't know. It's I'm not a fan of it. I don't like seeing that because that to me is product placement. The products are now just people. Yeah. yeah. That's all I'll put it. Cool point. So I'm going to say that it 
it's kind of a good thing, actually. Uh, and I'm going to bring up Once Upon today, a Time man? in Hollywood in order to talk about this. Because uh, an interesting thing that happens in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I guess maybe minor spoilers, but not really, is they talk about how they use the Rick Dalton character to make other action stars look good, right? Like, just be, when you see a guy and you have the uh, a perception of him as a big action star... And then you see someone else beat up that big action star by, you know, I, some mathematical n- phrase that I don't know the name of. Uh, by transitive property, you uh, feel that that person is stronger than the act first action star, or, or, or at least on his level. There's like something about that idea that if you can match up with somebody, then you're on their level. So while I don't think you should necessarily be like, ah, he's already taken 10 punches in the mm-hmm. scene, maybe let's move on. I like the idea of being able to monitor just how much is going one way or the other in order to help balance uh, the way the scene is feeling. It, uh, it, it's turning movies into math a little bit, but it seems like a smart way to, to kind of see how the – to try and trick the viewer in a way – into feeling certain ways about certain fights. Smart to me. I hate that I do agree with you. <laughs> I yes! It's a, good, it's a good point. I like. Yeah. I disagree with it, but I... Because I, I have written that down. It, it reminds me of the Jim effect. Remember when Jim... I even called him Jim. What, what's his real name? Quiet Place. Uh, Jim from oh, the uh, uh, Shoot, now... Thanks for, hey, no, no, hey, no, John, thanks for making John my point. Krasinski. Thanks for making my point. <laughs> Krasinski was so much like Jim we couldn't get it out of it right I called him Jim for so long until he did what like 27 war movies in Aloha he didn't even speak but he was a soldier 13 hours soldier Jack Ryan get out of here he tried he tried so hard after he got denied Captain America he's like that's it no more roles where I stare into the camera with a goofy face. I do agree with you. It is. It's, it's like, I hate it, but it is. That, that's the product. I've even made this video about The Rock. He refuses. It is on all of his contracts. He cannot die. And he refuses yeah. to play the bad guy, which is why I'm really curious how the Black Adam's going to be because, well, I mean, the bad guy gets his own movie, so he really is the main character. The only problem I have with it is, is like, I feel like it takes away from the story. It's okay to lose sometimes. I hate that yeah. The Rock does that. But I get what you're saying. Yo, Dragon Ball Z fans will know what I'm talking about. When it comes to arguing about who's stronger, they will bring up episode 7, the 470s, you know? So it's like, I like, like you said, that they're making it to a point where it's like, well, the lore is written out. It may feel like a product to me, but technically, we now have, like, statistics on these characters and their strengths. Mm -hmm. But as my friend over here who is a not big fan of the Fast and Furious franchise... Sometimes it becomes so cartoony where it's like, I don't know. Honestly, you guys, like, you talking about this and you saying sometimes it's okay to lose makes me like the movie even less. After you watch it, you'll understand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, granted, I have not seen Hobbs and Shaw. We're working on a Let Me Explain for the original uh, 8. So that's the reason I've only seen those and I'm aware of the debacles that happened with The Mm -hmm. Fate of the Furious. I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw yet. Uh, Fernando did not like it, and I guess it's adding to the point. Man, I would have a lot more to say maybe if I had seen it, but as of now, I see I see the point, Zachary. I see the point. Don't like it, though. Legendary motion capture performer turned filmmaker Andy Serkis will direct Venom 2. The man behind Gollum most recently directed the 2017 drama Breathe, as well as last year's Mowgli for, uh, movie for Netflix. 
But Art, yay or nay, Circus is a good choice for the Venom sequel. Yes. Honestly. I think his effects can go super crazy for a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think Mowgli was that bad. <laughs> I personally don't think it was that bad. Um, I didn't see it. And I, I like it's on Netflix. You can catch it right now. And I, I like Andy Circus, and I had fun with Venom. I'm excited for it. Very excited. I didn't have fun with Venom, but I also little? kind of like. It may be a little, but like I kind of watched it in the background. It didn't ah, give it as okay. Much attention yeah. as in, There's only one way to you know, watch it. it. It's it's not. I'm not super into the the superhero yeah. thing anyway, and because it had gotten these weird reviews, I was just I don't know. It felt like it an ad movie to you. Like, TNT in the background. Kinda, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll give it another shot before the sequel comes out. But Andy Serkis's involvement doesn't necessarily get me any more excited. Really, uh, I. I, I'll say this, that I haven't seen either of his movies, but I haven't heard anything about either of those movies that's made me interested in him much as a filmmaker, so... you see Jungle uh, Book? What? Did you see Jungle Book? Uh, yeah. Did I you see Lion King? Like that either. Did you see Lion King? Lion King? Yeah. We talked about it last week. So if Jon Favreau directed Venom 2, you would be there? Nah, I, I don't what? like... Well, if you... Maybe, because I like Jon Favreau, even though I don't like those two movies. I'm just making a joke because they both face each other when they were both like, oh, you making a yeah. Jungle Book movie? Because, like, I, and I'm like the motion capture guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, remember because his was also supposed to get a theatrical release? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and little by little, Netflix it was like, yay, we got picked up by Netflix. It's like, I, we're pro streaming here, but I don't think that's what you were going for. <laughs> oh. Uh. Fernando, any thoughts on Andy Serkis uh, taking over? Exactly like Art said, my uh, my first immediate thought was he could do some stuff with motion capture, like yeah. the effects on Venom, like yeah, I mean that's horrible. Exciting. weren't the best, but if Andy Serkis but if they could, were the best, could bring, could bring over his his uh, Planet of the Apes crew to help him out with dope. that, I think that'd be pretty dope. In terms of his actual directing uh, quality, like mm, Mowgli, I didn't see Breathe, but I didn't hear good things about it. Um, we'll see. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have made four movies together, but none since The World's End in 2013. But the British funny men could be re- rejoining in a new ghost-busting Amazon horror comedy. The pair will star as paranormal investigators in eight half-hour episodes of, of a show that they've also co-written. Art, yay or nay, you're excited to see Pegg and Frost reunite. Yeah, and I, I like the eight episodes, 30 minutes each. Where's the streaming? Amazon. Bro, Amazon just gave us The Boys. Have y'all seen The Boys? Not yet. Not yet. Give, yeah. In other words, it sounds like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are going to be able to do whatever they want. Are you a fan of Paul? No. <laughs> well, I have to watch it again. When I first watched Paul, it was like, yeah, I think I, I, I'd seen it in the middle of like a three movie Thursday night, and I was like, I'm, what hmm. is this? I didn't really like Paul, uh, and that being the only experience i have with both of them that didn't include edgar wright that makes me a little more hesitant about this show okay. uh if edgar wright suddenly becomes involved then this is near the top of my list but uh yeah i'm not that i'm not be sold quite yet that'd be insane that'd yeah. be insane yeah i love them i think they're hilarious um, i like the premise too. and then like what was that the premise that he said about the yeah show? i think i think the premise could be really interesting um like paranormal like hunting you said 
paranormal investigators. I think that'd be really cool to add some like horror elements in there too, maybe. Yeah, boy. Have them like get scared shitless. <laughs> that'd be funny. Um, <laughs> and them separate, like recently, and being like in different things, they've been good. I think Nick Frost was recently in Fighting with My Family. With my I thought family. he was hilarious in that. Um, oh, so yeah. oh my goodness! I'm yeah. pretty sure. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Simon Pegg is in the boys too. Oh, he's playing go. a father to a 25 year old. That threw me back a bit. I mean, I guess that works, but I, guess. I don't like to think about that. <laughs> the man behind some of this century's most iconic horror movies, including Saw, Insidious, and The Conjuring, is lining up mm. a new original idea. This fall, bit. James Wan will direct a horror film based on an idea from him and Ingrid Bisou. The plot details are being kept under wraps, but it's said to be a slice of horror that Wayne, that Wan hasn't touched on yet. So Art, Ooh. gay or nay, James Wan is the most exciting voice currently working in horror movies. Mm, I see a little twist you did on that one right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you want to get me in some trouble. <laughs> ah, nay? That said, I, can I give you my hard yes? choice? Well, Ari exists. That said, yeah, though, Ari's that was... taking a break. Out of out of my bunch, it's Ari. And then Eggers. Then him. Then Jordan. I know I'm missing a bunch of other ones right now. Kent. John Krasinski. Kent, John Krasinski. Yeah. <laughs> John Krasinski. <laughs> um. oh. uh, that said, my man took Furious 7. Been banking in on the Insidiouses. On them conjurings. That's true. Got DC checks now. He's a part of DC, Fast and Furious, all these big franchises. You had an original project? This yeah, is what you've I'm been hoping, waiting for? I'm hoping. Is this something he's got you've never some, touched? Uh, some financial funding okay. that he didn't have access to before. I have been and, waiting uh, for these big directors to give mm. me their and yours, you know? You know, right, Nolan always right. gave us the oh Dark Knight? Okay. Here's Prestige. Oh, this one? Here's Interstellar. Okay, here's Dunkirk. I, yeah. What you got, Juan? Because I've, I've sat through Aquaman. I've sat through Furious 7. I've sat through all of your sequels. Give me something. You know what's the scariest part about this? And maybe this affects your... Because I want you to answer it too, Dick. Please. Um, does him directing... I'm just looking at 7 here. Does him directing a new property scare you, worry you, Knowing that Eggers, the three I mentioned, Eggers, Peel, and Aster. Ari, yeah, Esther, all have like 100%. This isn't getting a sequel unless I'm touching it. As opposed to his, where he has no say in it. Does it worry you that this new project, unless now he's it, powerful enough, it won't escape him now? It doesn't worry me. That's not the word I would use. I think James Wan makes a different type of horror movie than your Ari Aster's, your Robert Eggers, and, and to an extent, even your Jordan Peele's, although Peele is commercial in a way that I don't think the other two are. Mm. I, I think James Wan they is will, kind of they like said we're, They new... said we're in an era of bad movies. Everyone who you just named. Keep going. I apologize. <laughs> uh I think James Wan is more like our new Wes Craven in that he kind of has a few Ooh. different types of ideas. He's going to give us a few classics. Uh, you know, you're you're from Chicago. You're not uh, you're not an alien to the Rings argument that says that Jordan is the best uh, player of all time. Well, if we're doing like Rings, James Wan's got 
uh, Saw, he's got Insidious, he's got The Conjuring. Like, none of the people we mentioned have three classics that way. Uh, I, I feel like until we see a little bit more consistency from some people, he's kind of got the belt. Okay. That said, though. That said, though. That said, though. You're choosing Wes Craven over a Kubrick, over a Hitchcock, if that's what we're comparing well, the other two to? Well, no, 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 because those are different eras. Oh. Uh, but well, I think, they're... you know, I, and no, I'm not, choos- I'm not a, a choosing them over. Look, I, I think uh, if you're asking what my favorite style is, what my favorite filmmaker is of mm-hmm. a bunch, I'm not going with James Wan. But if we're going about, like, he's kind of the guy who has his pulse on, like, what an effective horror movie is, he, he seems Drake, to be that guy right now. The Drake line. If he was in a, if he was in a genre that gave, or a sport, if movies were sports and he got rings, he wouldn't have enough fingers in the hands for yeah. that many rings. That is true. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. What about you? All right, no, so oh, I, 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 he's oh, got to oh. answer it. Yeah, Fernando. I'm on art side. I, Blumhouse, I mean, unbelievable. What you think? Truth and Dare, Truth or Dare, the director no, of Truth was, or Dare. I was going to say the best I think, projects. I think if we're talking about right now, like the horror, like people out there, I think like James Wan, obviously one of the directors, but like mm-hmm. Jason Blum, like as a whole, like what he's Producer. doing for horror, I think is great. Um, and I think yeah, an original story from him in this time where we're getting all these original stories, I think is a no-brainer. That's as hopefully going to be good. Hopefully it's not some, like, weird... Oh, thing. no, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. I have no doubts in that. That's why he switched the question on me. He yeah. knows it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But no, I wouldn't pick him over Ari or Eggers or Peel. But I think he's still a, a, yeah. a really good director. Um, and he gives a lot of people, like... Obviously, like, he didn't direct a lot of his the sequels to his movies, but that was still able to give people, like, outlets. Like, um... The guy who did Shazam, like the Let's lights go. out guy. Oh, you know I love this story right here. Yeah, yeah the way like, he always is waiting there, he's bringing back up his team. Yeah, I love yeah. that the most. That's one he of gives, the things I love the most about every single movie that I cover of his. I always bring that up. But yeah, yeah. Uh, to end it, I'm going with W. S. Anderson. I changed my mind. He's the best one out there. Bring back Underworld. <laughs> All right, so that's it for yay or nay. Let us know if there's any topics you want us to cover on future shows by emailing them into intercutpod at gmail.com or leaving us a comment on YouTube. But we move on to interview where we answer the viewers' questions. And we got an email from Gio who wrote in to recommend something to us. Hey, guys, just want to recommend this show called Inside Number 9. It's a British anthology show to like Black Mirror. If you're still hesitant, just please watch... The episode 12 Days of Christine. I actually don't know if I've even heard of this one, but I've never uh, heard of this I like Black Mirror. I like anthology. I also like so. how he pitched it. One, this yeah. this is, looks yeah, 100% around tomatoes, all those different things. It looks like a British show? Yeah, BBC Nine. Um, BBC. I, I always, what always gets me is when someone goes, yo, you need to watch this show. Look, I know you're busy. Watch this. I was like, okay. You know? It's like, oh, you should try this restaurant. What what should I get from the restaurant? That menu's big. I like how he's like, if you don't watch anything else, watch this. I'm going to watch it. I like that. That shows he has confidence in this thing. And it's on Hulu. Okay. I think. That makes it easy. Dope. Uh, Mimi wrote us on Twitter to ask, is Kevin Smith's Dogma worth a watch or is it too preachy? I don't think you've seen this one, Art. I haven't. We actually had a discussion about this, you and I, because I'll let you go. Uh, I don't personally find the movie too preachy and that's coming from someone who doesn't really have a much uh religious background i I don't know if 
if you maybe are more involved in it, that you would find it to be a little more preachy or a little more sacrilege. But I kind of feel like the movie uh, just is sort of a clever, like, twisting of familiar tropes. It works more as a comedy than necessarily, like, a life philosophy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to me, it's one of Kevin Smith's best comedies because it's actually about something, (laughs) unlike a lot of his other movies. Why? What do you mean? You mean Tusk? You didn't learn the lesson in Tusk about uh, not allowing podcasters to get high and write their scripts? It's a good lesson. Mimi also asked us, uh, best Pixar film versus best Disney animated film. So this one requires a a little bit of thought. you got to think of what your best Pixar movie is and what your best Disney animated movie is. Uh, I'm assuming we're going in like the the recent Disney animation era, not all-time Disney animation. Uh, so for me, it's probably a battle of Ratatouille versus Wreck-It Ralph, and uh, I go Ratatouille there. I love Ratatouille. Um, geez. Everyone can cook. Good Anyone Dinosaur cook. and Hunchback of Notre Dame, I'd have to give it to Robots. No, I'm probably going um, Nemo. It's difficult because I always swap between Nemo, Nemo, Monsters, Inc., and the Toy Story as a whole. Yeah. But since I've seen Nemo the most, I'm gonna have to go Nemo versus Tangled. Believe it or not, oh. huge Tangled fan. I know it's a recent one, but I, I think it's a recent classic. Someone told me the day today that it's like uh, the remakes are ruining the animation of, of Disney. The animated Disney movies are gone. I was like, Tangled, Frozen, Moana. I, I couldn't. Sometimes you read a comment so stupid. You're like, what? Tangled versus Finding Nemo and Nemo just keeps swimming. For me, it's Coco. And Tangled also. I was gonna say Tangled. I, lo- I think Tangled's great. Uh, right. That last song, like lights. It, no, it's you. The one with the it's, lights. Oh my oh, god. That's great, dude. Um, and then Coco. Coco's my favorite animated movie. So easy. It's how we On met, Twitter, really. we also got some some questions about Loose, one of our favorite films from Sundance, oh, which is out now it. in some get theaters. Started again. Talk about uh, it. One person <laughs> said they they left feeling the thriller aspects went over their head. Hmm. Art, I'm wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Yes. Uh, uh, there was a review from RogerEbert.com. I, I don't know the critic's name off the top of the head, but you can check out their loose review. Uh, I disagreed with this particular critic when it came to... And as you know, Zach and I, all of us really here, we love reading everything, even if we disagree with it, because we just we, we want to see what the other spectrum is, just to be like, I'm going to get caught off guard. I don't know what this is. Um <laughs> The review for Shaft was that they felt that it played for too many generations, the older generation, Sam Jackson's generation, then the more PC generation with this new Shaft. Uh, and he felt that that didn't play the way. I personally felt that worked great. We had this, a very similar disagree. It's interesting when, you know, like you and I read Richard Brody for a particular reason. He's yeah. becoming my new guy, but, but more so it's like I'm reading him and it's like I'm seeing his perspective and he, he gets it. Um, mm-hmm. We disagree a lot, but I found myself reading a lot of his his reviews. He also didn't yeah. like Loose. Um, he is black, so he had that perspective, and he did acknowledge he's like a bunch of my white peers and black peers do love this movie. I understand that I'm in the. You're talking about the Roger Ebert critic. Yes, uh, but he brought up a, a particular point uh, that goes with this comment about it not really feeling like the message is fully there, hmm. and it's really crazy for me to say this, but I think that's the point. And I think that's why so many people are going to come out hating it because the whole point that he's saying is that not everything is so black and white. Everything is so gray. And for me, I thought it was so ballsy to put that in a movie knowing Mm -hmm. so many people would get pissed off or even worse because it happens to us all the time. It's going to get misinterpreted so badly 
I think it's a masterpiece. I, I think that's the point. I think it's a Rorschach test, almost. Mm. Yeah. Uh, of like, who are you seeing here? I heard someone say this morning, he's a psychopath. It's the first black psychopath we've had in a movie. And I'm like, perhaps. Someone said, that's not a psychopath, that's a hero. And I'm like, this is a masterpiece. Yeah. Are you not seeing this? What? Like, How does this not intrigue you to watch the movie even more? Um, I do want to get to more spoilers, but, yeah. to, uh, but, but to, put it, to put it lightly, I think that's the beauty of the movie. And I'm yeah. glad he's feeling that way, and I'm glad you reached out. And I'm curious to know more what you thought about it than anything. Because obviously I'm going to have a video of my thoughts, but I am curious to see all these different perspectives. How did you take it? Because I know we didn't talk too much about it. You didn't love it as much as I did. No, but I did th- think it was really great. It was one of my favorites at Sundance. Uh, I- I'm more on your side than the side of uh, people who are giving the movie. It's my favorite of the year. I-, I keep forgetting, like, that's my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I do I do agree with you that I think what is smart and ballsy about the movie is that it is, I believe, intentionally a bit messy. Uh, there's a lot of movies that touch on issues that this movie touches on, and it wants to kind of uh, signal you as to what is right, what is wrong, who is good, who is evil. And uh, this movie intentionally kind of has characters you like do things that you don't, and has characters you don't like make the right decision. Uh, and I think that's a more reflective uh, ex- a view of the human the experience. Yeah. You need to watch so, this so, movie, Amanda. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you remember when I told you when I saw it? Oh, you did catch it? Yeah, I did see it. Wait, what did you say? I told you that. <laughs> the Luz hated that kid. I got so mad at him. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, and I was that. like, why? <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew why, but... yeah. Um, as definitely what the one one of the Sundance movies I want to see again the most, only because I saw it at nine a uh, like nine a.m. Got it the same way, dude. We and missed the first five minutes. I was confused. I was like, "Why his parents? What? Oh, yeah, he's a doctor." Like, okay, I was like, "What?" I had to step out for like a crucial scene apparently, and then I came back and I was like, "Okay." Oh my um, gosh, this man. <laughs> so so yeah, so I definitely want to see it again. I didn't love it as much as you guys, but I'm definitely open to learning everything again. Like you, watching this man it with... left at a scene that's like <laughs> leaving the Last Jedi during the entire Luke flashback and not knowing why Kylo hates his yeah, uncle. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Yeah. So get out of here. Moises on Twitter also wanted to know your thoughts on the Tenant trailer. This is the latest mm-hmm. movie from Christopher Nolan, and they debuted the trailer uh, so, before yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. Which is where I'm waiting to see it. It's a teaser. I trust Nolan with his teasers. I'm very mm-hmm. big. I'm not seeing spoilers when it comes to like a big blockbuster. One person did see it here, so I'm going to let him take mm-hmm. the shine. Uh, very short teaser. You know, um, They were throwing like, all, a teaser. all like the long trailers for Joker and stuff like that. Do you guys want me to tell you like what I saw in there or you just want to see it for yourself? I want to know your thoughts about it. Did it okay. make you excited? It did make me excited. Um, it showed you the actors he's working with who are really great. I mean, John David Washington is the main focus of the teaser. Um, after Black Klansman, he's going to be a superstar, I think. And um, Monsters and Men, all right? And Monsters and Respect Men, Respect yeah. the indies out here. <laughs> Um, very ambiguous, so I was like, what is going on? Um, I think, did you guys see, like, this clip, this guy, like, recorded, um, from the set where, like, these cars are going backwards, these cars are driving backwards, and they're, like, Christopher Nolan's, like, gonna play with, like, time again, and people were like, no, no, they're just, like, resetting the scene to go again. Yeah, there are some rumors out there that this may be connected to Inception, which, uh, you know, 
maybe that's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really want it to be, but I feel like, you know, we're not going to get a sequel mm-hmm. to Inception either way. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's Nolan going back to his big, big budget like blockbuster action realm so if you weren't a big fan of dunkirk i think this will play much more up your alley in terms of nolan from the teaser which is like i'm gonna be excited so i'm gonna be excited i'll be watching it tomorrow before hobbs and shaw mm-hmm. all right theaters. well make sure to leave us a question in the youtube comments or by emailing us at intercutpod at gmail.com to get it featured on the next show during our interview segment you can also reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram. Our handle is at IntercutPod on all three. IntercutPod, that's short for COD Podcast. Be an intercutie and send us your movie, TV, and entertainment questions. But it's topic of the week time. Ooh. The Irishman finally debuted its highly anticipated first full trailer. Martin Scorsese's long-developing project with Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino has been subject of much speculation because Netflix has put a lot of money into the film, specifically into the digital de-aging technology meant to make the, f- meant to make the film's stars look younger. This, of course, isn't the only example of digital de-aging in recent films. Earlier this year, Captain Marvel featured a de-aged Sam Jackson as Nick Fury in the 90s. Avengers Endgame also did some de digital de-aging on its cast to aid in its time travel elements, and several other Marvel films have featured it in briefer moments. As technology improves, it becomes easier to manipulate an actor's face in realistic ways, but Art, are you a fan of the frequency with which we've been seeing digital de-aging technology in movies? Nay, I think they should be hiring new actors. I think that the technology would be good if they still kind of did the Paul Walker thing, but still had a stand-in for someone to emote. I can't say I'm against it because then I'd sound like a hypocrite because I'm such a huge fan of the motion capture work, that, and I truly think he's an artist, that Andy Serkis has done. So mm-hmm. I can't say the de-aging effect is bad because it's just an effect. Do I think it's been right. used for its best power? Kind of. I mean, it was used for to, to pay tribute to Carrie. It was used to pay tribute uh, to Paul Walker. When it when it comes to the story itself, though, we had talked about this earlier. I think it's terrible in uh, Captain Marvel. Not so much the effect itself as it was. They forgot that Jackson himself is still old, and he's not running <laughs> like the young version he's supposed to be. Um, I saw the Irishman trailer, and I was a little confused by it because the first time I had seen it. I, was, I came back and I, told him, I was like, I don't see anything. And then they tell me, it's like, oh, yeah, he was DH there. So I go watch it again from the actual Netflix one. Uh, and I see the ending and I'm like, what? I don't even think their age. I Like, couldn't makeup have done that? I, I start right. to wonder that argument that we get into is like, yeah, but can't we have practical effects here? There's a point, again, I don't mean to continue bringing up this series, but this is the one that we have uh, within the middle where they started going full green screen before they start going back to actually using cars. Um and I, you could tell the difference before each movie, right? I'd see it. I was like, this works. Let me see why. Oh, did they change something? Special features. Yes, they no longer are actually having them drive the cars for safety. Mm-hmm. They're now in a green screen. And Paul Walker is laughing. He can't take himself seriously jiggling in the green screen stuff. Um, do I think it can... It, it's weird because I don't know when it's been used. Unless it's getting publicized. It's the same argument right. we have with CGI where it's like, we argue about CGI, but when it's good, sometimes we don't notice it, right? 
Yeah, and that's the thing is that there have been a lot of uses of technology like this, but uh, I think it's the extent to which the Irishman is proposing to use it and uh, the radical change of it. You know, because we, we've seen whether it's like the, some of the Benjamin Button effects or it's just individual moments in other movies, we've seen elements of this. But to us, to to follow a main character through large sections of a film in which you're supposed to believe that character is potentially like 30 years younger than the actor playing him, mm -hmm. that is what does feel a little bit novel about this. Uh, it's what's different than what we can just achieve with some makeup and some uh, some wigs or whatever. So it uh, works for you? I haven't well, seen the movie, so I can't say. But if it works, I mean... what when it, when it works for me, it's in the smaller moments. I, I'm a fan of seeing those moments sometimes in the uh, Marvel movies, particularly because I feel like there's been versions of that where the, you're supposed to believe it's a, a certain actor, and I'm not a big enough fan to put together the pieces of like, oh yeah, that must be a younger Kurt Russell or so something. So it's way easier to actually have Kurt Russell de-aged. I feel you. I feel you. Wanna... If it's for a brief moment like yes. that, if it's for a flashback or something. But when we're talking about something like The Irishman or we're looking at a movie uh, like Ang Lee's upcoming film, Gemini Man, I don't know if you had the chance to see that trailer, but it features Will Smith battling against oh essentially gosh, a younger right. version of Will Smith. At certain points, I feel like you're you're almost paying more attention to the technology than you are to the film, and it 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 does kind of result in this uncanny valley. Like, I do think lot, yeah. there's almost a more there's almost a more interesting angle to if they had cast somebody who resembles a young Will Smith in the movie. And to me, where I feel like this technology potentially should move to, I think about a movie like Looper where I believe Joseph Gordon-Levitt wore a false nose for most of it in order to look more like Bruce Willis. Goofy. And what would be cool is if they actually cast actors and then just use the digital face technology to yeah. maybe like make it look a little more like, oh yeah, that I see why he's yeah. a young Will Smith. Yeah, there's people who like look a lot and then you can actually get them there. The biggest worry with that, I'm sure, is, is, as we've mentioned multiple times before, is where does the acting come in? It's one of the biggest things that's been happening with the motion capture thing. So I'm not even going to be negative with it. I'm going to be full positive. Sure. Hey, I think it can get to a degree where one of the biggest worries has been like you can't see the acting in the face because of the de-aging. You know, like right now that I'm mad, what wrinkles go away and stuff like that. But the right. moment that you can get that working and I'm still actually seeing De Niro's perform performance, then I know why you kept De Niro and not just, I, I don't know, you know, someone new. Um, right, like there's a difference between film acting with a face and like video game motion capture exactly. acting. Exactly, you, you you kind of have to interpret more. Exactly, I mean I don't know if they were doing the whole dots on their face and stuff because then that that does apply to performance and if those performances still uh, are eligible for contention in anything, my man's been so waiting at the gate. So what's interesting about uh, the Irishman, I believe, is that they actually don't do any of those like dots on the face thing. I don't get that, what they're uh, doing. It's all just shot in a way that they can alter it after the fact. See, so that brings me to, are we getting to the scary part, or are we still just talking about the artistry in this first? I think we can talk a little bit more about the artistry, and then we can get to the scary All our part, actors but... are going to die. They're going to they're gonna take digital copies of all of them, just like Jet Li said. I've been saying okay, this you're gonna over, go straight and to over that. and over again, okay? This is what is happening here. First of all, Ang Lee is 100% a part of this, all right? Which, and, and Ang Lee, I'll let pass. Like, that man shot a movie in, what, 742,000 frames per second? For no one to ask for that, that, it's just a guy walking, really. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then he's like, hey, Gemini man, who wants to see Oblivion but with Will Smith <laughs> and some de-aging stuff? They just give that man money. I'm cool with it because I, I, where I really want to see it work is in shows. Where I really want to see it work is where, like, you – and I agree with what you said. The big spectacle for Gemini man is, ooh, Will Smith young. We didn't even talk about how we felt about the Irishman trailer. We're talking about the de-aging, and so is everybody else in the Irishman trailer. So once it can start becoming a thing where it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're cool with this, just like with 3D, we're done with that, dope. How can we, with frame rates, we now get that frame rates can be done for different stories, dope. Let's see how it can be used. I'm, I'm curious yeah, to see how Yeah, are you going to make this technology useful to me? There we go. But that was yeah. my Lion King argument before I released that video and got a bunch of crap for that but we'll see i always think that there is use for technology when it comes into the future i love that the person go ahead i know i mean i was just gonna say you know the fact that these upcoming movies that we're talking about are coming from martin scorsese and ang lee two masters of cinema exactly makes me feel like there must be a little bit more than just like oh this is a fun these are the guys yeah yeah and and no the the irishman has been in development for a long time i I thought it was coming out last year yeah i thought the same thing too i thought it was never gonna come out i thought i was gonna get so they're really taking their time with it and trying to get this right i guess when you saw the trailer the first minute did it make you just want to go rewatch everything (laughs) it makes you want to go buy all of his movies in 4k i don't even think they're in 4k it made me want to rewatch Casino and Goodfellas, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, but I'm watching Taxi Driver mm-hmm. in September. It's called The Joker. Do you know he's producing it? Yeah. Because it's practically literally ready, ready for arts. Yeah. Because it's literally going to be a shut. Yes, it is a uh, how do you call it? A Minecraft skin. That's all that happened in this movie. I'm calling it right now in the Intercut Podcast. That is all that movie is, and I, I'm not even upset. It's just. That's funny to me. And I'm going to find it really funny because I just released a Lion King video. All that stuff was said. But I I, I stay with it that as long as the technology can be used for something good and it's used and it's being helmed by filmmakers who we trust. A lot of people give him John Favreau stuff, but he knows it. This man knows it. Yeah, and so looking at the plots of these two movies, The Irishman is is something that's supposed to take place over across uh, several decades in which it makes sense that we would want to be able to see... Uh, the actor aging through these decades. So I, I guess there's a reason for the technology. Gemini Man, as we mentioned, it's a older Will Smith battling a younger Will Smith. So it, it's cool to see that there is some plot motivation for this technology. It's not just, wouldn't it be cool if Robert De Niro was 20 years younger? Yeah, I hope it goes wrong. I hope it works. Uh, yeah, but I don't thing... know. I, I wonder if there is going to be something even more unique. Oh, uh, what the next one is? is? Yeah, I just like told something you that it's Jetly being cast in a movie where Jetly never stepped on the set. All right, so let's let's go apocalyptic. What is your grand fear about the uh, digital de- de-aging technology and this mapping of actors' faces uh, as we move forward in Hollywood? Give us your the Congress. I don't know how theory. much I can say. Oh, well, you said it. I was just going to say the Congress rated PG thirteen. Not everybody's seen the Congress rated, though. Rated R, streaming now. Yeah, not everybody has seen the Congress. Um, Congress is a great movie to kind of give you this whole idea of what's happening with VR and the idea that you can literally capture an actor's entire movements. I believe every NBA player. uh, I don't believe it. It's true. They tell you before everything. They are the express written consent form that you need uh, for. They they, they are the players. The players, they own. That's their content. Um, 
I mean, we really are getting there. Some filmmakers don't own their movies. They don't own the voices. Tom Hanks looked at a vault, like a vault of all the Toy Story noises he made. They're like, they can replicate everything we can. Face app. Yeah. What? That's what we have our hands on. I don't know what they have their hands on. I don't know how crazy their deep fakes go. It's I so mean, easy. I'm now. just saying. It's like really easy to do that. I, stuff it's now. really easy. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, isn't yeah. even It'll... me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that be crazy if it was Alina the whole time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think cartoon. that's where it's getting. Does it worry you the fact that, Marty, thank you for fighting the streaming fight. But we're barely over that one. Why'd you have to bring de-aging in it too? I was like, can we handle one? We, we're mean, trying to get people to, to embrace streaming. And I bring- yeah. We've come a long way from Tron though, if you think about it. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yes, we like, have. And the fact that now, like you guys mentioned, we saw a little bit sparsely through the blockbusters. They were doing it. And now we're like seeing it in the indies, right? And like the small It was that Oscar conversation we had about Lion King. Yeah. Ugh. This photorealism is disgusting, and in four years we're gonna go. I just love how uh, name name an India <laughs> director how they use the Sean Baker. Oh, I just love how Sean Baker shot it in an iPhone <laughs> in the VR. Yeah, whatever it's gonna be, yeah. it's always the same thing. We'll still be here. Yeah. Intercut and podcast you, on Spotify. <laughs> and you said you you didn't notice it that much, right? I didn't notice the it trailer? the first time I watched the trailer. I didn't notice it either, and then I was like, oh yeah, they did use the aging. If you look up Robert De Niro yeah, I- now. You'll see how different he looks. Right. Because this yeah, man's it was... wrinkled. Like... Are, you, are you ready for it? I realized they were that old. <laughs> They're so old. But, but yeah, you'll notice it I... after. I was like, damn. And I was like, yeah, of I course, was, I just saw Pacino. looked pretty solid in the trailer mm-hmm. for The Irishman. I mean, yeah. it, it distracted me from paying any attention to what the movie's really about. I think they mentioned Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. But, uh, cool. crazy, yeah. though. So Looking forward to that. Hopefully, I'll, I'll catch it at New York Film Festival, where it was recently announced as the opening night film. Are you seeing it opening night? You're gonna try to catch it. I'm. I'm hoping. We'll see. Right. I'm gonna catch it on Netflix on this phone right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that's it for our topic of the week. Let us know what you thought by emailing us or by leaving us a comment. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at Intercut Pod. It's time though for our last segment in the new to see, and that's the pick for the week art what are you recommending the people watch at home or in theaters or on the go i want you you guys to leave the house just for one thing that's loose uh loose is my favorite movie of the year we talked about it today yeah it's my favorite movie of the year you ever talk about a movie you're like yep that's my favorite movie of the year um other than that if you don't need to leave your house zach give me a streaming platform let's play that game Uh, spin the wheel and it lands on Amazon. The boys, watch it. First five minutes blew me away. I'm like, you're allowed to do that in a show. Seth Rogen and crew, sorry for disrespecting the rest. I I can't remember who else worked on it, but I know that they're producers on the show. Incredible. Imagine the Avengers as a miniseries rated R. They're sick. They're disgusting. I love that show. Spin the wheel. Let's go with Hulu. Hulu. Uh, I don't actually have a, a new one, but Broad City, go watch. Oh, no, no, no. I got one for Hulu. Uh, it, it is a weird one. Stephen Curry's a producer, and this man is producing some of the craziest things. He has a reality TV show on ABC. You can catch it on Hulu. I have seen every single episode. It's called Holy Moly. Holy it is Moly? an extreme golfing competition. I have not missed an episode. I don't do reality TV. I don't miss an episode of Holy Moly. I don't. I don't miss an episode. Okay. Of Holy Moly. Spinning the wheel and uh, Netflix. Netflix. Ooh, 
there's too many things. Sinner season two. Why? Yeah, I remember you were a big fan of the first season of the show. Have you finished the second season or are you working your way? Barely started the first episode. I did that and I saw it. Getting a haircut today. Guy next to me getting buzzed. Bro, have you seen Sinner season two? What about it? He goes, it's better than season one. I say, you telling me I need to change my Monday night plans? He said they already been changed. <laughs> all right, all right. And Euphoria, before we spin it. Last wheel. That's so many to watch from home. Euphoria, in case you didn't have HBO. But that's one for you and every single platform. Watch them. There's so much deliciousness outside. What do you guys have? Fernando. All right. Uh, if you don't want to stay home and if you want to go to a theater this weekend, uh, let's see. For the family, go watch Dora. Support the Latinos, right? I'm going to go see Dora, right? All right, don't put your head down. You know, you I'm going to go blue. see Dora, too. I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you. I'm uh, buying my tickets. See. Other indies, uh, don't go see scary stories because it'll look kind of bad. Um, Peanut Butter Falcon comes out this weekend. One of your favorites, yeah. too. What? Scary stories? Yeah, it does. I like how you like support Latino films. Guillermo? Oh, uh, damn, I forgot he produced it. Oh, oh you forgot that one. How quickly we forget. Okay, okay, go see that. Uh, and then, yeah, Peanut Butter Falcon. And go see, hey, like, The, for, the yeah. Farewell. Farewell. That's good Apparently he's doing really good at the box office, so. Yeah, yeah that's dope. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for that. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I don't know what her next film is going to be. There's going to be so much eyes on it. It's going to be her and Barry Jenkins. Can you director. imagine? Can you imagine mm. like a big Sean uh, Giacco like just collab? It'd <laughs> <laughs> be insane. What about you, Zach? What you got? All right, so I got two recommendations. One is a streaming recommendation on Amazon. I finally, finally watched the second season of Fleabag, mm-hmm. and oh wow, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge is just a phenomenon. You know, it. Yes. You've probably heard about it already. I didn't even know she was like culture movement people were like from the uk going bro i've been keeping around for so long but now that she's hit the stage yeah, she got a like, jumpsuit trending on twitter <laughs> like it, it's it's just a big thing whatever no, she's she touches a big in. deal yeah yeah and and it's i think it's because there's just a sharpness to her observations and the dialogue in particular mm-hmm. uh i think you know a lot of people are, are are commended for their witty dialogue but there's something particular about the way that she's able to to process the modern world and, and just quickly sort through all these uh, all these like dr- anxieties and different issues w- w- that we have around us and kind of just point, do a funny cynical spin on them uh, it just there's no it feels like she has no filter mm-hmm. and sh- the show particularly goes to some really really crazy places crazy. considering that second se- uh, season is about her relationship with a hot priest played by Andrew Scott, uh, but I found it really profound. I found it really emotionally moving by the end, and there's something that I know that I am just know that you definitely loved. There's a meta-ness that occurs in the second oh, season, dude. and it, is one it of the... ends on a note that I, I just, I saw Art enjoying it, because right? those are some of the things that I know tickle your fancy, yeah. Dude, I looked at Alita and I was like, did they just do what I think they did? I went crazy in it when I said when I did the video. It just it blows my mind. I love that stuff. Like, yeah, it's weird to compare to First Man, but I think you know what I'm. It's so drastically different. But there's mm-hmm. a moment in First Man. There's a moment in Mommy. There's a moment in this. There's a moment in The Wizard of Oz that are just like we just. It's not Deadpool breaking. Well, the it's kind of wall. like a moment that makes you like reconsider the whole thing. Cinema. Like, <laughs> I was like, wow. 
Shout out to the Intercut viewers, because unless it was a Let Me Explain fan, I'm pretty sure it was someone on the on our comments who had said, watch Fleabag. I did. I, it's so easy. Have you seen it, Fernando? So I haven't, no, but... Dude, six okay. episodes, what, 30 You'll sit down and you'll... Yeah, it's like, done. What, 15, 30 minutes? 30? Dude, you Dude, can finish 30 minutes, season. Each season, six it's episodes. It's like a movie. And it's just so bingeable. I watch. Like you just get absorbed seasons. in her yeah, exactly. world and her way of talking. It's literally half the length of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a breeze. You, you go right through it. It's worth You're, it, though. Are you guys ready for Bond to throw out some witty comments? Uh, I We had this discussion We because we feel like there's 10 writers on Bond. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they're only, like, she's doing fix-ups. Mm-hmm. I hope it's more, but I think yeah. it's that. It does make me want to check out yeah. her Netflix show. Crashing. Yeah, uh, Crashing on Netflix. But, it was yo, before she even made Fleabag. Exactly. I'm glad you so. shouted that one out. Shout out to the inner yeah. inner cuties who had mentioned that one. Um, and just in passing, I'll mention a podcast I've really enjoyed. It's just six episodes. It's called Running From Cops. It's a show that takes on the famous reality show Cops and just goes beneath the surface on it. Talks Ooh. a little bit about, uh, you know, some questions you've thought about but never really got the answer to. Like, how did they get all these people to sign release forms to appear on the show where they looked awful and are, are, can you consent to being on a TV show? If you're really high on drugs and getting arrested and what, and stuff like that, it's, it's a really fascinating look at a show that is a cultural movement. Uh, whether you're a fan of cops or were a fan of cops or just caught it on a sick day in middle school, I think you'll really enjoy the series. It's just six episodes Running from Cops. It's the third season of the Headlong podcast. I uh, thought it was really, really good. Is it on Spotify? Believe it is on Spotify, just like, like the, the Intercut, Intercut podcast. podcast. <laughs> uh, that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Zshevich. That's at Z S H E V as in Voodoo, I C H. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Fernando. Where yes. can people catch more from you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at border underscore logic. And, <laughs> and you could also check out the ADZ website, www.theadzshow.com, where you know I'll be writing a little bit, and you can check out all his videos there. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, Fernando just published a new piece on the Phase 4 Marvel movies, what to expect sir. from them. Uh, so if you want to read up a little bit more of that, we'll put that in the description mm-hmm. down below. Art, where can people catch more from you? You can find me at the A to Z show on all of the platforms there. Let me explain as well. Uh, find us in Toronto. I don't. You guys, you you guys keep teasing me that you're gonna come towards the end of it. I'm hoping. I want to go. I want you guys to go. I there's okay. I let's be one hundred percent honest. Film fans who are in film. Uh, messages like your group chats mm-hmm. nothing is worse than being the only one who's seen the movie like people think it's cool to have like oh I got to see a movie early it's like yeah I get it but I can't no say to anything to, to these it. guys and if yeah. I do say something I sound like a complete and utter dick like mm-hmm. oh you don't know about <laughs> Robert Eggers <laughs> The Lighthouse like no I want to want to see it so it's going to be like this painful moment where I can't say anything to any of these guys and it's so like Sundance was such a it's like I don't even want to say surreal because we go do it next year, yeah. uh, dope experience because staying up talking about these movies till like five o'clock in the morning like greener grass like that's why you want to go to a film festival for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be at TIFF. Uh, we'll be at New York though. 
I'm hoping yeah, we'll at least have that festival. one. Yeah, we'll have New York. But uh, other than that, you don't even need to leave your house. You can watch. You can listen to us at home on the Intercut Podcast. Yes, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, Ooh. on your favorite podcatcher. I happen to like Overcast, not that you asked. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod. That's our YouTube channel where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Thursday. Please leave a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star, five-star review, and like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from Fernando, and from all of the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, get the rhythm, get the rhythm. There you go. There you fucking go. Get it. That's for you, Asimata. <laughs>